Hello again, this is Gary Van Wormerdam with the Awareness and Consciousness podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. About this show, it is a rather long show. It is a recording from an intro to a workshop that I did. The sound quality is a little poor. You'll find that some of the questions didn't pick up in the room. Where it was possible, I just edited some of those out. And where that conversation flowed into more of the teaching, I left them in, even though you probably won't hear the questions very well. The topic had to do with the Four Agreements and Going Beyond the Four Agreements, which is the book material that my mentor, Miguel Ruiz, wrote about. What I'm really talking about is dealing with your mind, your emotions, your belief system, what that looks like. And I have a sense that not just that it, what it looks like for you, but what other people are dealing with when their beliefs are challenged. And some of this, much of this, I think I may have covered in the past in little pieces. But in this intro, I ended up bringing a lot of that together, and hopefully it relates to each other and uh, is a little clearer. So in this piece, you don't actually get the material about the actions and practices we went into in the workshop about how to change your emotional state, how to quiet the chatter in your mind, find and change those core beliefs. We did that in the workshop. And you will find those kinds of exercises in the audio program on my website. That course in self-mastery, you can download the first couple sessions free. What I do mention in the podcast somewhere is I refer to kind of a faster way than the step-by-step process of the self-mastery program. And that faster way is the kind of thing that I often did with my mentor, Miguel, through what are often spiritual practices and contemplation and ritual and ceremony. Not dogmatic in any particular religious way, but with a very focused intent to make changes in your life and the way you feel emotionally and the way you look at things and to merge yourself in love which when that love expands, it's often considered a divine love. And as your awareness expands, it's considered a divine consciousness. So it's merging with life and being with life as it is. And that's truly divine. That's the fast way. An outlier of today's agenda. I'm going to cover the playing field. This playing field of life and dreams and emotional reactions, world of illusion. Miguel in his book calls it the metote or the parasite. It's that force of emotional reactions we deal with and want to go away when we take things personally, get upset, fall into fear, become a big victim or judge. And then I'm going to try and include why most things don't work to change it. Why that when we want to change it, we try to change it, it doesn't happen, or we think we won it over and we thought we got rid of that issue, and it shows up a week or a month or a year later. And then we'll talk about some things that, well, we probably won't talk about it, just have you do some things to engage as practices that you can take home and go work on. Something to go do. So, the playing field. Her life here on Earth, my point of view. Well, let's talk about something more practical first. The way we dream our life, the daydreams that we have. 
the daydreams that could feel so real, like they're really happening, interacting with other people, having a fight, having a debate, except you're the only one in the car. <laughs> there you are driving along and it's going to some meeting or to go to see some person and you're running the scenario. And it's busy there in the mind and you can feel the tension in your body. And it's real. You feel it physically. You feel the emotions. You plan out what you say. You plan out what they say. You plan how you're going to react, defend, da 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 The whole jousting match. Anybody do this? It's as if we were dreaming at night. And that thing about dreaming at night is it could be so real. Like our life is at stake. And then something happens. We wake up from our kicking and screaming. What? Where is a minute? That was just a dream. And we dismiss the whole life-threatening instance like that. And it can be kind of funny. It's like, wow, what was I thinking? It was just a dream. When we wake up from our dream. Do we have the same experience after driving in the car? Like there, da 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 da. But then we take it as if it's real and it's really going to happen. And of course, then we have our meeting with our interaction with the person. Is it anything like we imagined it? No. But do we have that same kind of snap and go, huh? That's just made up. I was just dreaming that. We travel through dreams. And during our waking life, they seem so real. They seem so real. We have emotional reactions. We think about what somebody thinks of us. We have a whole story about what they think about us. And we react emotionally to our imaginary character of them. And what we imagine that we put in their mind that they're thinking about us. And we have an emotional reaction. And oftentimes, that emotion, we conclude as evidence, oh, that's really the way it is. They really think that. Why, how do you know? Well, I can feel it. We've created in our imagination the emotional experience, and then we tell ourselves, it's real, based on our emotional experience of what we dreamed. What if we woke up from that dream? Woke up from the dream of our imagination. Like we woke up in the morning from a dream in our sleep. And while we're driving along or we're stressed out about A, B, C, D, or E, or the meeting we're going to have, or what someone will think of us, or being jumped, dumped, rejected, fired, whatever fear, and we woke up from that dream and all that emotional reaction. We went, wow. What would be the feeling? If we dropped it that fast. Mm. In the book, the, the Voice of Knowledge, Miguel gave three rules. Everybody know what they are from that book? 
The first is, don't believe me. And I'll use his rules here. Don't believe me, because what I'm sharing with you is a dream. Of course, this is a dream I'm sharing, these stories, these insights, about the way we dream. Don't believe Consider them, try them on. But what I'm sharing with you is my perspective, my point of view. It's my dream. It works for me. doesn't necessarily mean it works for anybody else. By the same token, the second rule, don't believe anybody else. Because they're sharing you their point of view, their story, the way they see it. I may not work for you. And the third rule, don't believe yourself. Because in that moment in the morning when we wake up from our terrifying dream, or a happy dream, we go, oh, it's just a dream. In that instance of wake up, that epiphany, that realization, we don't believe the dream. And if you practice that, not believing yourself, not believing yourself in the midst of that dream as you're driving in your car all by yourself, having conversations with people who aren't there, or whatever it is, if you don't believe, and by specifically yourself, I'm going to say the dreams in your mind, it's inviting you to wake up to change completely how you feel about your life, about someone else or about yourself. So this is the game of games to me. This is the great game God has played on herself and himself to create this incredible dreaming imagination and pluck herself inside and say, find the exit, wake up. And by the way, you only have a limited time for this body to play. Makes it more exciting. Also much more motivating. So, if we imagine that whole dreaming mind that's going on, those dreams, those thoughts we think, they're more than just a chatter of internal dialogue. We can hear it talking. We hear the internal dialogue. And sometimes we may have the awareness to go, that's not my voice. Or, that's not, that's my voice, but it's not me. Anybody understand that? But it's there, something talking in our mind. Well, underneath that voice can be a belief. That belief could have many layers starts getting thicker. That simple thought, you see yourself in the car and you're like, oh my God, this, I'm making up a whole story. I shouldn't do that. Just behind that one comment, I shouldn't do that. Four words. There's a judgment of what we're doing. I shouldn't do that also means I should be doing something else. 
and also could be layered, I'm the kind of person that does this, there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't do that. I should be this person who does this instead. Then that judgment, I shouldn't do that. We see two different behaviors. We see two different images of ourselves. It's all part of the structure of belief of who we are and who we should be, what we shouldn't do, what we should do. And another part of our mind that judges us and says, I shouldn't do that. I want to be this way instead. Then you see two different characters in our imagination that we have beliefs about what we are, what we should be, what we shouldn't do, what we should do, and this voice doing the comparison. And all we hear is, I shouldn't do that. But you see the whole structure of the dream behind that one comment. Is that clear? Yes or no? Okay. Then these are the layers of beliefs, we'll say false beliefs, or fear-based beliefs, that start to formulate the base structure to build the internal dialogue that Miguel calls the metote. And in the back of the book, the four agreements, near the back, it says after you read the four agreements and you decide to challenge all these dreams and emotional reactions that go with that little comment, he says, these are the next steps. And the next steps are, does anybody know? Because we all read the four agreements and we go, okay, I'm going to do the four agreements. But in the back of the book, there's more. And he talks about taking on the challenge of dissolving that whole structure of the mind. And the first step is awareness. Awareness that Hey, there's more than just the dialogue. There's layers of beliefs. These fear-based beliefs that are here. And we're going to challenge them. Then awareness of what those are is the first step. To notice the subtleties behind the story. And the second part of what he offers is make an inventory of all those fear-based beliefs. Because when you start to see Oh my God, there's other characters here behind that comment. There's other things in my imagination I didn't notice. You become more aware of that. You have an opportunity to not believe yourself even more. And in that not believing yourself even more, you wake up from more and more of your dream. Now, one of the things that happen in this process initially is this can be uncomfortable. One of the reasons it's uncomfortable is we start realizing, gosh, there's a lot of stuff I believe that's not true. My imagination is very busy with nonsense. And then another part of our consciousness takes that information, that's an observation, about how we get caught up in our dream, and a little part of our mind calls the victim gets a hold of it. And the victim says, oh, this is terrible. And we make a story about the stories we observe. We're like, oh my God, this is bad. I don't want to be doing this. And the judge, part of our mind, kicks in and goes, I hate this. 
I feel worse now that I know that I do these things. And it looks at the book, The Four Agreements, or goes home after a, 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 a workshop to me and said, it's not working. It's not working. I went to a workshop, I tried it, now I feel worse. Forget it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh. You could say, awareness is like a homeopathic remedy. That's homeopathic remedy. Do you know, how many people don't understand what I'm talking about? Okay. Sometimes when you take a homeopath, it amplifies the symptoms. So you could kind of feel worse. But what is happening is, my rough understanding, by amplifying the systems, your body's cleaning. It's like detoxing. Okay? Your body's going, okay, now we really see the problem. Then awareness can be uncomfortable. Temporarily. Because for me, and some people often say, it's like, gosh, doing all this and inventorying all your beliefs, your fear-based beliefs, this is hard. Challenging the voice in your head is hard. And I'm like, yeah, that's a challenge. Miguel writes that in his book. He's like, this is challenging. And I'm like, but at a certain point for me, I looked at the alternative. And the alternative was not to challenge them and live the rest of my life with them in my mind. And I'm like, well, that could go on for the next 60 or 80 years. I'm like, well, what if I take some time, even if it's a couple years to clean it up, then what's the next 60 or 80 years like without that? You know, is cleaning your house hard? Well, maybe you have a big overgrown backyard and you look at it and say, oh my God, that's going to be hard to clean up. But once you clean it up, now you have something you can enjoy all the time with a small amount of maintenance. What Miguel refers to in this work, when you decide to take that challenge, to challenge what we'll call your personal dream of your base beliefs, when you challenge that dream, it's like a war. It's a war to take on that mind. That mind that's filled not only with thoughts and dialogues, but emotions and beliefs. Visual picture images and memory, all stored in that mind. And to clean it up, he relates to it as a war. The kind of thing you go do battle kind of every day, and some days you take a day off, and some weeks you just rest and go have fun and play. And those people who take on that challenges, that challenge, he calls spiritual warriors. Why? Because it's about living life, which is the spirit, congruent with life. The spirit of life flowing through you. To express love. Versus a whole construct and matrix of life. And fear. Well, you could say emotionally, 
feels like the battle between love and fear. Or you could say the battle between truth and lies. Between justice and injustice. Your integrity and self-importance. Ego. So, the four agreements are the kind of thing that ones adopt, spiritual warriors adopt and say, I'm going to take on the challenge. Excuse my drawing. The uh, point is to give you a little visual reference for where this little field of the mind exists, okay? How it plays. We think of our mind inside our mind, inside that brain here. Consider, for fun, that it's outside. Consider, for fun, that it's like a little layer of fog around you. And within that layer of fog, there's memories, agreements we've made. I'm not good enough. I can't sing. I can't draw. She's better than me. I'm better than her. I do better that than they do. They should listen to me. All these opinions are hanging out in here. The time somebody made fun of us on the playground, I'm beautiful, I'm not beautiful. This is what my body looks like. Agreements about our hair, what our body should look like. Agreements about, what, oh, politics. He should do this, she should do that. God loves me, God abandoned me, I feel so alone. Am I going to get to heaven? Fear, doubt. <coughs> it's a living, dreaming field. It has a very funny behavior. We can even say it's alive. Alive. Like everything's alive. Okay? You know, this body's alive. It's pretty physical, right? And they can watch things moving around in it. They say, okay, it's moving. It knows what it's doing. It's alive. And if we look small enough, this piece of wood was once alive because it had little organic stuff moving. But now we have to look even closer. It just has atoms fields of energy, even appearing and disappearing, fields of light, still there, feels solid, looks like it's dead, but at the level of light, still alive. When you push on it, it pushes back. Its nature is to hold its form. It resists change. Even inanimate objects resist change. Newton's laws of physics, right? Object at rest remains at rest. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion until acted on by an outside force. The example I use 
when we are in one of those dreams or someone is in one of those dreams, consciously, feels like you're really there. Let's say someone broke up with their boyfriend, they were dumped, and now they feel all rejected, alone. And they tell all these stories, nobody wants me, I'm going to be alone forever, um, sad, brokenhearted. Life is over. And you know this person. And you tell them, gosh, no, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, I love you. People will be knocking at your door to be with you. Do they believe you? No. Do they, what do they, how do they respond? Do they reject your ideas? Yeah. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know me. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand. You see that whole dream of structure where they have this whole agreement about how their life is over. And you give them a lighter, brighter idea. You float it over to them. Like a little water balloon. Drink this. Idea. Consider you're beautiful. It bounces off into about a thousand different directions. And if you can imagine, at a more subtle level, you're challenging this dream, this whole structure of agreements, and you just interacted with it with your conceptual ideas, because this is a whole field of conceptual ideas. And now it's kind of standing on edge and it's a little agitated because it has an idea that's in conflict with itself. If it really accepts I'm lovable and beautiful, oh yeah, people would be happy to be with me. This has got to burst. That whole conceptual idea that they're in the midst of has to burst. All of a sudden, they, what would happen was like waking up from a dream and go, gosh, you're right. The same way that dream burst that fast, and that can become unsettling and uncomfortable. Particularly in those moments when we're in those dreams all filled with emotions and beliefs, and we really think we are that person. Then that character we're playing is going to shatter too, isn't it? feels like us that's dying when we're that character. So what is the us that we're talking about on this playing field of dreams? Let's say we're a little, tiny point of perception. We can say God. But there's so many conceptual ideas about God that you'll probably jump into one you already have. Okay? So let's take something sufficiently vague. It's hard to put an idea around and trap it inside the mind. Okay? Let's say consciousness. You're conscious. You're a bubble of perception that can both perceive in multiple dimensions 
and create and express. As consciousness, you have an incredible ability to perceive. You know, you can perceive all these different aspects of your body, all these different sensations, touch in every different area, sight, smell, taste. Are you any of those sensations? No. Are you any of the cells in your body? Are you your hands or your feet or your knees? No. But you have, with the vehicle of this body, the capacity to perceive by putting your attention there. You can go, oh, that's what that hand is feeling, that foot is feeling. Like the back of your neck right now. Did you notice it until I mentioned it? But then as soon as you as consciousness put your attention there, you can tell what that body is perceiving. consciousness. In the same way that you can travel and move to sense different areas of your body, you as consciousness can travel into these different dreams, into this field of smoke and fog. And say you go into a dream of, I'm not good enough, nobody wants me. And there's a whole character role, mask archetype personality that we play, we call a big victim, that feels like us. And it feels that whatever is going on in that dream, as if we were dreaming at night and the alligators were chasing us or whatever was happening, because that's what I had the other night. It's a whole field of alligators. And I'm walking around I'm like, oh my God, I keep, and I'm trying to get out and they're chasing me. <clears throat> And I feel all the fear, and it feels like they're coming after me. Because in that moment, my consciousness is in that dream, and I'm dreaming that I am that character. Just like when you're driving in your car, and the person you're having the conversation with that isn't there, you feel like you're the person in the conversation. And you've got all the sight and sounds and visuals and feeling that you're there. Your consciousness is there. Now, your consciousness can split, be in multiple places. Your consciousness is also there in the car driving the car. Okay? And maybe part of your consciousness is putting on your makeup and, and, and doing your hair and looking at a map or whatever. Okay? Our consciousness has the ability to split and expand. Now, on the other half of the side of it, as consciousness we also have the capacity to express. We can express by directing this body to move. We can express by thinking certain things, making an affirmation, a prayer, deciding to focus on silence where we put our attention. We're making a different expression to sing, to say, I love you. These are different expressions that, as consciousness, we can direct the intent of how we create. What happens in this field of dreams of the mind is we often get pulled into, say, a character of a victim or a judge, and we start creating 
and expressing as that character. Why did they do that to me? Why does this always happen to me? They shouldn't have done that. And we start expressing ourselves from an ego mind. Later we step out from a, into a different dream and look at what we did and go, what was I thinking? How did I get so carried away? Oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. And now we start creating a story about the other story we made, right? <laughs> so we go into this other judge character over here about something we did over there. Yeah. Do we ever tell stories about our stories that we have going on? <laughs> like, why the heck am I imagining this? Like, why doesn't this go away? I wish it was fun. Yeah. And we can be in judgments about our judgments. Oh, I shouldn't be judging that. That's the worst. Okay, now we've got judgments about our judgments about our judgments, right? Oh, we are really in trouble now. I got judgments about my judgments. Oh, you know, there's a fourth layer. Oh, sweetheart, that's I'm not. How many layers do, do, do you got? Yeah, I counted nine once. So way better than you at judging myself. Don't even try. Amateurs. Amateurs. Give up your judgment, sweetheart. You have no chance for the championship. Tell you what, I drive in my car and I, I was on the assignments to clean up my judgments. And of course, I'm driving my car and some guy pulls up next to me. He's kind of got a rusted out car and he looks like he's probably been doing drugs and I'm like, oh, what a loser. He should take better care of himself. And I'm like, oh gosh, Gary, that's a judgment. That's not very spiritual. And I'm like, and then I saw that. I'm like, well, Gary, that you shouldn't be judging yourself like that. Boom. And I'm like, I shouldn't be judging myself. You're right. That's, where'd all my training go? Failing at this assignment. Boom. Like, oh no, there I go again. I'm not a very good Toltec. I'm not a very good spiritual warrior. Oh no, but that's a judgment. Okay, I won't bore you with the rest of the story. It kind of goes the same way. And I was there in one conscious dream about my other story. Each story creating a new story about the last story. Oh my God. At a certain point of just watching it, it became very funny. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, look at this thing go. I'm just watching. Like, did, 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 did. There's no end. Judging myself for judging myself for having a story about what I should. I'm watching it go all by itself. I'm like, wow. Kind of thing is, I'm watching it go all by itself. It became very funny. Part of my consciousness was in a way stepping outside the story, watching this pinball game go in my mind. Yeah, my consciousness was split in about nine, ten different places. Was it kind of bothersome? Yeah. Was it kind of, uh-oh, yeah. 
but it was also an expansion of consciousness. Traveling to a point of view of perception I hadn't been to before. What was really interesting about being that observer and witnessing it all is this one didn't have a story. This one didn't have a comment, a conceptual idea or an emotion to add. It wasn't adding any fuel to this field of fog. It was just like going, wow. As if that one part of my mind was waking up going, wow, look at that dream. It's just a dream going off by itself into life of its own. That awakening, that epiphany. These dreams were kind of uncomfortable with me noticing that. But I wasn't. These dreams were uncomfortable and agitated with this newfound awareness. You know that uncomfortable feeling I talked about? It's like, hey, this awakening, awakening could be kind of uncomfortable. Death. All these things were like, He's on to us. This isn't safe. The ego mind may not be able to maintain control if he wakes up. We can't keep him trapped here forever if he keeps doing this. They started to get very scared. As I woke up and saw that game. It was uncomfortable for them. And you know what? Part of my consciousness could sense that field of energy having its fear of its end. And that fear I could perceive like as if I was perceiving it with my body. And one of the great seductions of that was the story of like, I'm afraid of what's happening. And when I saw that, that story, I'm afraid, or uncomfortable, was actually just one of these characters about this process, I kind of said, cool, it's working. That story, I'm afraid, I'm uncomfortable with this process, is just another story from one of these dreams. It's about to pop as you wake up. I'm not the story. I'm not the character in the story that says, I'm afraid. That's a mind with its own story. And yes, we can perceive the fear. We can perceive the uncomfortableness. As conscious as we have that capacity, it's pretty cool. But it doesn't mean it's your story, your fear, or that letting go of it and waking up from it is harmful to you. If the character in your story dies, it's a character's death. It's a death of some part of your personal history you're erasing. And that character will say, I'm dying. But its version of I, ego, is not you. It's consciousness is kind of cool. And you start looking at death of those layers of stories as a great freedom. Okay? The end of 
those stories and imagination controlling your mind. Neil talks about the angel of death and death being a great teacher, and that's one of the values. So that's the playing field. That's the playing field of consciousness in our own personal dream of false beliefs, emotions, and stories. We go first to all the internal dialogues from the Tote and the whole structure that this built, that this fog that we're in is built upon. We'll call uh, a personal dream or it's built on a structure of false fear-based beliefs. Okay? Some places are referred to it as an ego mind or what have you. Now, a couple things that don't work. Actually, we'll take a break, I think, and then we'll talk about what doesn't work in handling all this, okay? There's this whole idea of the playing field and as consciousness of perception and creator in these multi-dimensional ways. Does this make sense? It's as good a model as I have today, so if I come up with a better one, I'll share it. But this is the way I see it. Now, to change the game, to dissolve that mind or to dissolve all those fear-based beliefs, it's awareness and you make an inventory and you cut them up dissect them and throw out the parts that don't work. There's faster ways. One is just ceremony and ritual and you surrender your whole dream to death. And this is what we do in more intense uh, retreats. Now, before we talk about how to go do this, some beginning steps on how to go through this and give you the practice, Let's talk about what doesn't work and why. One thing that kind of doesn't work is to read books. You know, because what happens when we go and read books can happen, can help you too, but in a lot of ways, you go and read books, you get all this information. You get a whole library full of conceptual ideas. And then you have opinions about what should work and what shouldn't work. And you start believing what should work and what shouldn't work. And you're building whole structural concepts in the mind. The Buddhists have great practices we'll talk about to expand their consciousness to finally empty their mind. And if you read a lot of books and you get a lot of information, you're filling your mind. with lots of opinions and knowledge. But it's not that books are bad or anything. It's that knowledge can keep you in lots of illusions. Believing in all that knowledge can become like dogmatic. And I don't care. You, you can see people with spiritual books and it doesn't matter what tradition, Christian or... Islamic or whatever, they can recite you all the information in those books. 
and they want to give you all the information. This book says. And you talk to them, and all that comes out is all the knowledge of the book. And it's like not even their voice. It's just this whole mind you're talking to. And you say anything, any concept that's not in agreement with what's in that book, <laughs> it like bounces off. It bounces off. I had a couple of people come knocking at my door and I like ask some questions. And I propose different concepts. And I watch them, that energetic field gets a little uncomfortable with a different idea. And then I watch their body tense and then the words come out of their mouth. That field of the mind is talking back at me, pushing my idea away. My question. I'm like, okay, this is very interesting. Then that field of fog generally only accepts ideas that are already congruent with the existing belief structure. Sure. Um, I totally understand what you're saying. Okay. Um, but that's not to say that reading isn't good if you don't do that. I mean, if you don't do that, you're not dogmatic, but you like reading. I'm not discounting the value of reading. Right. Okay. And, and, and just taking and kind of working with at different times. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'm saying one of the downsides right. that can take you deeper into the trap is knowledge. Right. Believing deeply in that knowledge so it becomes dogmatic. Mm -hmm. Builds a thicker and thicker structure. Consciousness. Consciousness. Of course, one of those voices in your head that's speaking to you say, oh, that's a good idea. Because it agrees with the one dream you have, story, voice, character you created, sees a congruent idea and says, oh, that's a good idea. And it feels like you agree because you feel yourself as that character in that moment. Because then there's lots of great ideas in books. The real danger is what do you do with them? Do you believe them to help you believe yourself? Or do you use them as ideas to let, as, and use those ideas as tools to let go of other ideas? I'm not giving you really much in the way of ideas to believe in. But my intent is to give you ideas and information and knowledge to help you not believe the ideas you already have. <laughs> okay? Then I'm not telling you what to believe or anything, but I'm offering you a mechanism. The next big mm, self-sabotaging mechanism we use to help ourselves is we try to fix it. We see this structure of dreams. Maybe you notice the voice in your head. You're like, that's not me. That has to go. I'm going to change that. Sounds like a good idea. It's a great intention. But you remember how I said, just behind a comment, there's whole structures of beliefs. Then I'm going to change that is, why? Because it's not good. It's not good as a structural belief that says judgment. <laughs> Comparison done by a judge character story. I don't like it. This story is causing me harm, which is a victim interpretation. 
it's emotionally upsetting that I have this voice in my head. Emotionally upsetting to who? One of our victim character voices. And the victim character voice says, oh my God, I have this voice in my head, I want it to go away. And another character we'll call the judge says, that voice is bad, it has to go. And that triggers another character voice says, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to change it. So you have a couple layers underneath the I'm going to fix it, I'm going to change it dialogue. And so the expression of your intent, I'm going to change it, is really founded in a judge and victim dream. And now you're acting upon a judge and victim foundation. And that's where the core of this expression, I'm going to change it, comes from. And so as you act upon it, you are acting on its behalf, part of your consciousness is there. So your judge and victim story gets bigger and bigger. You may actually be successful and vanquish that voice with whatever technique you use. But in the meantime, underneath, judge and victim dream got bigger. That story got bigger. It's in charge of your cleanup process. It's the biggest mess makers in the mind, and now they're in charge of your cleanup process. When you go, I'm going to go fix that, I'm going to go change that. Now, there's a difference in the subtlety of it. It's the tone with integrity. It says, I'm going to go clean that up. Is it with love and respect? It says, I'm going to go change my life. Is it a voice acting on your behalf? Or is that edge of judge and victim is like, I'm going to go change my life because I'm disgusted with it. Are you acting on your own behalf because you're in love with yourself and you're going to serve yourself that way? Or are you acting on your own behalf as judge and victim because you're disgusted with the way things are? Now, it's good. Either can take you to action. But at a certain point, one will take you farther. The motivation that, take, that will take you the farthest is that you love yourself that much. That your joy and your happiness is that important to you. That even your motivation is not a reaction to something. And the subtlety, the words may be the same. It's a matter of spending time becoming aware which is your authentic voice. Which voice and expression desire is impeccable and which is corrupted with a little tinge of emotional pain attitude. And your authentic voice may cry out because you're unhappy. But it doesn't cry out with unhappiness. It's the difference in point of view, perspective. And it makes a world of difference. You see why that one has some trouble working for you long term? The third approach that a lot of people get into is they, they kind of see their dreams and they realize some's part of their story and they're like, oh, they decide to attack it and they're like, that's not true. They recognize the story, they recognize the belief and they go, that's not true. I recognize the person that they have judgments with in the car next to them and they see the judgment, they see the character, they go, that's not true. And it's true that it's not true. This is the subtlety, this is that sword that cuts both ways. 
This is that near enemy that the Buddhists refer to in the use of tools. Because that judgment isn't true. But what's the voice that's saying it isn't true? Because sometimes it can be the voice of denial. That says, oh, that judgment, that's not true. I'm not keeping it. And that voice of denial tends to push it aside. And say, that's not my dream. That's not me. Instead of pull it out of the closet and go, let's look at you. <laughs> let's lay you out in the light. See what the fog looks like in the light. And as you focus your attention on it, and by attention, I mean your brilliance, the sunlight of your brilliance, and you put your attention on it, and you go, aha, that's a judgment there in my dream. That's a little, that's a little character that said that. How about that? Now you really observe it. And now you're really outside the whole thing of it. With no commentary about it. And as the light of your awareness and your attention, pick out that point of fog. The fog dissipates in the sunlight. That's the difference. This is part of the inventory. You go dig it up out of your subconscious. And for practical ways how to identify and change these core beliefs at the heart of our emotional drama, you can log on to my self-mastery course on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. The first few sessions there are free. Try it and see if those exercises are, are practical and effective for you. You can also order my book, MindWorks, which is a guide to identifying and changing these negative thoughts, beliefs, and emotional reactions. This is Gary Van Wormerdam from the website pathwaytohappiness.com.